Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and whether this is your first time or if you're a regular listener, it's great to have you here with us today. At the time of recording this, it's hard to believe that we are nearly at the end of 2021. I do not know where the time has gone, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been saying that. We've just started with our latest group of salon owners and their teams going through the Super Stylist online course, and that's now closed for registration until March 2022 at the soonest. So we'll let you know more about that when it opens again for enrollment nearer the time. In the meantime, we're very excited because we're getting ready to launch our management online course at the beginning of 2022, and there'll be more about that later. Now, I do have a little favor to ask of you, and that is that you rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. By doing that, it certainly helps other people to find us, but more importantly, it motivates us to keep producing great content for you. All you need to do is go to Apple Podcast, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write a review. It really is that simple, and we would be very appreciative. So with that said, let's get on with today's show. There's a well-trodden path of hairdressers who want to transition into being photographers. Some of them succeed better than others, and you can see the obvious connection of wanting to capture the images on film and to want to be in control of the entire creative process involved. My guest on today's podcast is Desmond Murray, who is not only an award-winning hairdresser, but he's also a great photographer in his own right. In today's podcast, we'll discuss making the transition from hair into photography, what photography has taught him about being a better hairstylist, the importance of hairdressing awards, and the role that photography and social media plays today, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Des. Hi. Hi there. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to be here, and um, yeah, super excited. Yeah, me too. It's great to have you on the show, Des. So, um, Des, I'm going to start off with doing what I do with everybody, basically, which is getting them to introduce themselves. So, who is Desmond Murray? Give us your sort of two-minute backstory, and then we'll uh, we'll dig into the details, so to speak. Awesome. Okay, so, hi, I'm Desmond Murray, and um, photography hair. And basically, I started off, um, I'm from Warsaw, which is a, a little town on the outskirts of Birmingham. And um, I started off in a salon in Wolverhampton, won a competition, so for what, four years, won a competition in London, moved to London, worked at a company called SNL, worked there for about two and a half, three years, worked with Harold Layton, I was part of an artistic team, and we've done Miss World, Top Model of the Year, et cetera. Then I worked at Vidal Sassoon for a couple of, for about, I reckon, about five months. And then after that, I assisted two fashion photographers for two years. And then after that, I went to New York for two years. And then after that, came back, um, 
worked in London for a while, and then I opened my own salon in Covent Garden for five and a half years. And now I currently work at Atherton Cox, um, which is in central London. I do, I'm a brand ambassador for Matrix, so I do all their shows, seminars, stuff like that. And then I do a bit of photography as well. So that's a, a quick overview about me. Um, but there's a lot more, but that's a quick overview. Well, well, we'll dig into all that. I didn't know you. I just learned something. Awesome. I didn't realise you lived in New York and worked there for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I worked there. I was in New York for, for in the 80s for two years. And, you know, looking back at it, um, this is in the 80s. This is before it got gentrified and before um, um, Rudy Giuliana cleaned it up. Yeah. Um, so it was very dangerous. It was, it, but it was a really cool place to be at that mm. time. And you know, I could actually make a film about my life in New York. I'd done hairdressing, I'd done photography, and in those days, I used to DJ as well. And um, I had loads of energy in those days, um, and it was a lot of fun. I can't remember most of it. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite, to be perfectly honest. However, I had the most awesome time. And I think, you know, what was quite important in, in New York at that time, um, you know, I, when I left the soon, I was a hair cutter. And I didn't really know how to dress hair. And in New York in the 80s, it was all about big hair, glamorous hair and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to dress hair. And I learned the business side of hairdressing as well. Because in America, in New York especially, it's all about um, it's all about customer service. And in those days here, that wasn't like that. Um, so I learned a lot about business. And I learned a lot about people as well, which was great. So it was a great learning curve for me. And um, I came, you know, I went to New York, a young little lad, and I came back with all this knowledge and a bit more grown up, let's say. Mm. And is that when you... Open, do you open a salon back in London as soon as you came back here? The funny thing was, I, me and a partner, I had a, a business partner in New York, and we opened a salon called Bangs. And this is in West 4th Street, um, near, it's in Greenwich Village. It's mm -hmm. in near Washington Square Park. Um, it, was, it was quite ironic, actually, because we put everything into that salon, and um, we got it up and running and everything, and the landlord decided he wanted the premises back. And unfortunately, legally, we, we, we'd done a deal with him where we were in the premises for a year, um, rent free and everything. And then afterwards, we'd sign a contract saying, you know, blah, 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 this is, we're going to be here for X amount of time. But, you know, my business partner knew the landlord. So mm. I kind of figured it was okay. But then the landlord saw how well we were doing how wonderful the place was, and he decided to want the premises back. Um, so we had to give him his premises back, unfortunately. And that was that was a pretty hard pill for me to swallow because I put, from a financial point of view, from a physical, mental point of view, I put everything into that business. Mm. And um, that's one of the reasons why I came back to London. Right, because okay. obviously um, that business. And the idea was, was to... Um, Make make some money here in the, in England and then go back to New York. But I ended up staying here, um, and um, yeah, the rest is history, really. Yeah. So w when you came back here, you opened up another salon because I remember your your salon in Covent Garden. Um, That's so right. you you opened up that when you came back from New York. 
the salon in Covent Garden for me, it was it was it was great opening it because I learned a lot. However, I was primarily I do hair. I'm a hairdresser, and I've had to learn the business side of it. And I didn't really know anything about the business side of it, to be honest. I just knew how to do hair, how to do hair really well. And I thought it was all about how to do hair, but I learned very quickly that it was, you know, to keep that, to keep the doors open, you had to know the business side of things. I had the salon for five and a half years. The landlord decided um, the lease was up, so I had to renew the lease. Um, and I got the salon exactly how I wanted in regards to all the staff working and all the systems in place to make it work. Anyway, the landlord decided in the middle of a recession, he wanted to put the rent up. And it was a very difficult decision for me to make, but um, I decided to close. Hmm. And um, um, I had to totally reinvent myself, really. I had to ask myself a couple of questions. Do I need? Do I really want to have another salon? Or do I just want to be, um, do what I do best and do what I'm passionate um, in doing, like just doing lovely hair. And yeah. I decided just to do hair, basically. Well, and, well, well, um, that's, a, that, that's a really important lesson for a lot of people, isn't it? That, you know, as you just alluded to, you know, it's they're two very different skills. You know, being yes, good at doing absolutely. hair and being good at running yeah. a business are two different things. And yeah. it's a mistake to think yeah. that because you're you're good at doing hair, you'll be running you'll be good at running a business. And unfortunately, a lot of people think that it's it's an automatic progression that they'll go from yeah. you know being a hairdresser to being a salon owner. And it's it's a silly way to think because not everyone is suited for running yes. a business. Some people yes. will be, be yeah. far better off financially as well, actually working for someone as opposed to trying to master yeah. the business side of it as well. So um, what, what would you say the most important lesson is that you learned from being a business owner? I, I think um, for me, what's really important is I learned to stick to my strengths and I know my strengths really, it wasn't about um, managing or, or running a business. My strength is doing hair. And um, I found out the hard way, obviously, having a salon. But um, what was really interesting from that whole thing, because um, I know what it took to run a salon. I know um, how what you have to do with the books and everything. I'm now self-employed. Um, so basically, I do whatever I do. I know how to do the books, how to do how it, all the mechanics of how it all works. Mm. And also, I know whatever you put into something, you'll get back. So at the moment, and I touch wood, I have to say, um, not having a salon for me is from a financial point of view. And also for me to sleep at night, it's mm. been a lot better. You know, I yeah. have a lot more money not having a salon than having a salon. And I yeah. haven't got the headaches and I haven't got, you know, because I always remember, I, 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 um, I, I, Trevor Sorby is, is a good mate of mine. And I remember we went out one night and I was, you know, I was having a little chat with him. I says, Trev, I says, you know, having a salon is, um, is a very, very um, big responsibility. And I says to Trev, I says, to be honest, um, I don't know how I'm going to make it work. And he says, he looked me in the eyes and goes, Des, he says, you'll get up every day and you'll make that work because it's your, it's your baby and you'll make it work. And he was right, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a very good lesson for me. But to be honest, I, 
I'll never say never, but I don't think I'd do it again. Yeah, Unless yeah. there's a great opportunity. Yeah. So so now you are known as a hairdresser, but you're also very much known as a uh, photographer. Um, and I know you have a, a strong um you know, reputation in both those areas. Um, how do you yep. sort of split your time? Like, is it, is it, is it, what, what do you do most of? Is it hair or is it photography or is it um, like a traveling ambassador or what, what is it that you do? Do you know, I think, I think, um, okay. So primarily I do hair and that's, that's kind of what I do. And that's kind of my, my passion. However, over the years, um, photography, a slowly kind of um, what's the word? I've slowly started to do more and more of it for other people, if that makes any sense. So, I'll give you a little bit of background. The reason mm. why I went into photography in the eighties in the first place is, I remember when I left the scenes, and I never forget this. I always wanted to do a really great shoot and and to build my book up and stuff. So, I used to I used to go to um, a lot of photographers. I'll say. You know, I'd love to do some testing with you. Would it be possible? And I says, yes, it'd be great. So I'll do the test. And then a week later, because you have to, in those days, it wasn't digital, it was film. Hmm. And you have to send the images off and it comes back a week later, you see the transparency. And I was really disappointed in the fact that um, they didn't understand what I wanted as an end product, if that makes any sense. So I thought to myself, why don't you buy a camera and do it yourself? So I remember after leaving the scenes, um, I, I coloured my friend's hair, this girl's hair. She's quite an attractive girl. So I thought she'd be great to photograph. Coloured her hair, done a really cool haircut, got some great clothes. She'd done her own makeup and stuff, and we shot it outside. And I looked at the images, and they were absolutely awful. They were out of focus. They were... Um, the, the the light was overexposed and it was just really bad. Well, you know, it was just awful, awful, awful. Um, and then I thought, well, there's a lot more to this photography malarkey than I thought there was. You know, I thought I'd just pick up a camera and shoot. Anyway, um, and then I thought what would be really nice is to maybe assist someone. And um, I went to a shoot with a, a model and there was two photographers in the building and this was in the Isle of Dogs. And um, one was called Max Bradley, the other one was called Paul Panic. And my philosophy in life, I've always stuck by this philosophy, is I thought to myself, I'd love to ask them whether I can assist them or not. And then I was a bit shy in those days and stuff. And then I thought to myself, well, Des, what have you got to lose? And I always ask myself that question. Nine times out of ten, it's fine. Every now and again, it gets me in trouble. But um, I thought, what have I got to lose? Why don't I ask them? And I did. I says, you know, if I do your hair for free, will you teach me photography? And both of them said yes. So wow. for two years, hmm. I et slept everything photography. And, so what, you, um, you stopped doing hair completely and you were assisting full time? Every now and again, I'll do, I'll do, hair, I'll do hair at home. But yeah. most of it was, I'll just do photography. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's kind of how I live, by doing hair at home, really. Okay. Um, yeah. So, But but I've, I've done photography full-time. I assisted them for, for two years, for nothing, for free. For nothing. However, yeah. 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 Okay. However, the, less, the, 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 um, the knowledge I got for those two years 
they're, they're with me now. And um, again, I'll tell you a story. And this is, this is a pinnacle of where I got to my hairdressing head changed from a hairdresser to a photographer's head. So I started off by doing, uh, I asked the guys at the studio whether I could do a shoot. This is about, what, a year and a half into my training. And they said, yes. So and I was super excited. So I've got someone, I've done their hair, got makeup, done clothes, the whole lot. Done, took the pictures, sent it all off. A, a week later, the images came. And what was so funny, I really thought they were great. And, um, and Max was in the studio at the time. And I says, Max, what do you think? And he says, it's crap. And what was great for me, though, uh, and I like the, <laughs> the fact that Max is so blunt, <laughs> um, is because I'm like a sponge and I just want to learn. So, mm. um, and Max is a little bit like David Bailey. He's like, he's such a great photographer. He's a proper icon in my eyes, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I says, Max, so can you just break it down to me? And he says, there's the focus. This is great. Your lighting's really good. Um, the makeup's great. Background's okay, et cetera, et cetera. And he looked me in the eyes, and I, I, I then got my change from a, a hairdresser's head to a photographer's head. So, basic, mentally important ingredient. What's that? He says the model. She's not a model. She's just someone, obviously, you've got off the streets or whatever, and you've just done her hair. Now, if you use a professional model, that now becomes your blank canvas and you can paint around that blank canvas. Anything you shoot with that professional model look amazing because she's professional and she's photogenic. And ever since that, my my view of imagery is changed. Yeah, that's forever. a very, very because, important point, what you've just said, I think, for yeah, a lot without, of hairdressers to understand. That, that's a mistake hairdressers make, isn't it? They yeah. just look at their well, hair. Well, I made that I, mistake. Yes, yeah. I did. I, I, I had made the that same... Mistake. I had the same <laughs> lesson. Sorry, I know yeah. we're talking on top was, of each other because of the no, internet. But it, no, like, yeah. no, it was awesome. I mean, for me, that could not be a better lesson. And I know Max was quite harsh, and um, but you know what? He taught me a really important lesson. From that day, my my um, my sight of vision changed. Mm. I became I had a, I uh, I became from a hairdresser's eye to a, a photographer's eye and mm. to, to get a really good imagery you know um and what's so funny unfortunately you know over covid max died and um i was so gutted so gutted because i really wanted to go to his funeral and stuff um anyway one of his last words he said to me he says des will you teach my son photography and i was like um, it'd be an honor max absolute wow. honor so um you know me and his son were, um yeah, me and his son now, we're, um, we want to do Max proud. And his son's very keen. He really wants to learn. He's a little bit like me when I first started. You know, I was so keen. And I still am now. I'm still, I'm like a sponge. I just want to learn and learn and learn and learn. Yeah. Um, but Max, he, he taught me a lot. And even, mm -hmm. even his, his um, I used to just remember being in the studio and I'm in the corner and I just sat and watched him. And what's really great with Max is he has a way with models where he gets the best out of the model. And, and there is, is, you know, there is, he, 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 the way he is and the way he, um, I can't explain it, but it's, it's something that it's not 
tangible. You can't see it. You can't. It's not. You can't put it into words. But it's got a way of getting the best out of models. And one of the things I've learned from him is how to do that. And mm-hmm. it's a technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just he's just an amazing man, and I miss him so much. But you know what? He lives on through me, and he'll live on through his son as well. Mm-hmm. And and Paul again, you know, Paul's still here, and he's great. And Paul again, he's taught me so much. And Paul's now a very very good friend. Um, and even now, sometimes when I want want to want to um, want to know something technical, I still phone Paul up and say, "Look, Paul, you know, because my Hasselblad, I was doing a shoot. Um, when was it?" About four or five months ago, my camera packed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was on location. I was photographing for Tori, Tori Amos's album cover. Anyway, my camera went completely, it just didn't, wasn't having any of it. So I had to get either get a new camera or, or do something. So I said to Paul, I said, Look, listen, Paul, my camera's packed up. What do you think? I saw this has to plug for sale, blah, blah, blah. And it, and it was great. It gave me great advice. And, it, you know, Paul's like my dad, really. He's like, he's a great man, great man. Mm. They're both, I'm so fortunate to have Paul and Max in my life, but also to learn at Vinyasa soon as well. Mm. Um, you know, so really, my let, 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 let me ask Paul, you that, that, that question, because I, I, I want to ask you about how difficult is it to make that transition from hairdresser to photographer? You sort of touched on it already, and it was a very interesting observation about how you learnt to look at it through a photographer's eyes and not a hairdresser's eyes, because a lot of hairdressers sort of quite fancy themselves as photographers, but you, you, you have, you know, you have actually made that transition and you do beautiful photographic work as well. So, so how difficult is it to make that transition? Okay, let me go back to basics. I think for me, what's really important, money never comes into the equation for me. What's really important is to learn your craft. Yeah. So, you know, um, when I was at Sassoon's, all I wanted to do was um, what I learned at Sassoon's was to put, um, like, you know, we all know how to cut a bob, but we don't know why we're taking certain angles. We don't know what if we do something, what if we elevated a bit, what if we over-directed a bit, what if we, you know, done something totally different, you know, what would happen? And what Vidal Sassoon done for me is give me answers to all of those questions. Mm. So it gave me the control for me to be creative within my own right and to create my own thing because I know... If I over-directed a little bit, if I gradu- if I want more graduation or if I wanted to layer it, I know what to do to do that. Yeah, yeah. Photography is exactly the same. Mm. Once you know your lighting, because um, lighting, photography is all about painting with light. Once you know what the camera does, the rest is history, really. Um, like I remember starting off low, te- uh, I knew how to do it with film. But then I had to do the transition between from film to digital. That was a major transition because I, I couldn't even switch a computer on. And I remember going to City Lit to learn Photoshop. And honestly, it was way over my head. It was like, woof. It was totally something totally alien to me. And, you know, I've done it for, what, uh, eight weeks. I, learned, I went to City Lit for, and then they gave me the notes. And all these years later, I started going to different courses with photography, different photographers and stuff, and they used to teach me other things. And then 
Um, I bought a Hasselblad and then Hasselblad done courses and stuff. And I just kept learning. And then before you know it, I looked at my course a couple of years, looked at my, my, my papers that I had for my course at City Lit. And I was thinking, wow, the penny drops. That's how you do it. So I just think for me, it's all about learning your craft. Money doesn't come into it. It's all about learning. And it's always been like that. Even now with hair, I'm still learning. I'm doing a colour master at the moment. And, um, and hopefully between now and mid next year, I'll become a colour master. So I know earlier on you said you did um, the album cover for, for, for Tori Amos. Um, I wanted to ask you, how much of the hair photography you do or how much of the photography you do is hair and how much of it is other stuff? Okay, so now I'm quite fortunate because I'm getting quite a lot of other stuff. I think most of it was hair. So I reckon probably uh, 80% of it's hair and then I'd say probably 20% of it's other stuff, um, which is quite interesting because it says before I didn't go out to, to, to really be a photographer, but I'm getting quite a lot of photographers, quite a lot of other stuff that's not hair related. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that particular job, for example, I mean, you know, Tori Amos, a, a very big, you know, global star in the music industry. Uh, how did you, how did you manage to snag that job? Have you got an agent or something that, that you know, got that gig for you? Um, no, I haven't got an agent. I've got a good PR, but I haven't got an agent. However, um, I've been doing Tori's hair for like twenty years now, and um, over okay. twenty years, and through that period. Um, to see my photography progress and progress and progress. And she said, you know what, Des, I love your imagery, especially the ones, the last collection I won men's with, so I won men's twice. The last one, she really loved that collection. And she says, Des, I want you to shoot my next album. I'm like, wow. And she just said it as jest. Yeah. And, um, and then as time progressed, it, um, she says, Des, okay, I'm shooting an album. Um, um, I was doing a show in Florida anyway, um, it was two years ago. So she says, while you're in Florida, why don't you come and do a recce? Come the week before, do a recce, and then we'll shoot the album cover in about two, three or four months' time. I says, fine. So went to Florida, done the recce. Um, that was two years ago. And then, unfortunately, we had lockdown. So, um, um, what, about a year ago, she says, you know, I want to still shoot the album cover, but want to do it in 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 Cornwall. So that's how that came about. Okay. Well, that sounds really interesting. So is is that yeah. the direction that you're moving in, like doing less hair, doing more photography? No, not necessarily. I I kind of let things take its natural course, if that makes any sense. Um, so I at the moment I'm doing quite fifty fifty. So I'm doing 50% hairdressing, as in hair, um, yeah. as in cutting hair and colouring, whatever. And then I'm doing 50% photography. And and my, um, from a financial point of view, to be honest, I make more money in photography than hair, which is a little bit weird. Um, however, I'm I, I primarily I'm a hairdresser, and I do not want to give hair up because yeah. that is my passion. But I'm equally as passionate with photography. So I'll see where it takes me. I'm not really uh, one of those people that will say, you know, this is where I want to go in X amount of years. You know, you know. Who knows what will happen in the future? Photography might die out, if that makes any sense. But I'll still have my clients. And I'll sure. still love hair as well. 
So yeah. we'll see. I'm I'm quite happy and, and ambidextrous to do both, and I'm mm. I'm quite competent to do both as well. Yeah, you I'm are comfortable. Yeah. So the hair photography you do then, if it's not for you, you're shooting other people's collections a lot of the time. Is that right? I'm shooting other people's collections, yes, and um, I do quite a lot of stuff for product companies as well, which is very interesting. And um, and also I do seminars, which is quite interesting as well. So it's just a cross-section of different um, things that I do from a photography perspective. What's yeah. very interesting, though, is, you know, we have Salon International in, yep. um, in hair. Yeah. They've got um, a salon, a photographer's version of Salon International at the um, NEC in Birmingham, which is very weird because it's exactly the same, but it's photography-wise. Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's quite. I live a dual life, if that makes any sense. And people know me there as a photographer, not a hairdresser. Which yeah, is very funny. Yeah, let, let me ask you this question: you, you you made a real emphasis before about saying that the transition from hairdressing to photography, all came down to learning your craft. And you said it more than once, yes. meaning that, you know, the fundamentals and really yep. understanding the fundamentals, even if you don't get yep. it first at the beginning, you said it with Photoshop, that it just went over your head completely, you know. But yep. but you, you're obviously tenacious and you just work at it and you really drill down and you learn the craft. So what I wanted to yep. ask you is, is, how did being a hairdresser help you to learn to become a, a photographer? How does one sort of support the other, or doesn't it? Um, I think I think hairdressing and photography are quite similar in a way, but it's it's all to do with very visual, and it's to do with that you have to be technical at the same time. But it's to mm -hmm. do with the, it's a very visual thing. Um, the other day, I had to go to Kiev to do a shoot and what was very funny um, it was they're doing it for their version of, of the, the, the British Hairdressing Awards and also they're entering international for the British Hairdressing Awards as well mm. but what was really great is I was shooting for this, this girl over there and her husband is quite visual and he knows what looks good and what does look good and we've done this look where the hair wasn't quite working and then I said to her I said just shake it a little bit and she shaked it and it was like, and I clicked the camera and I've got that look. And he goes, you know mm. what, Des, this is why you're here, because you've got that. It's mm. a feeling. And the hair is exactly the same. It's, a, it's the same, similar sort of thing, really. It's a feeling. You know, when you see a haircut, you're like, wow, that's amazing. Or you see some colour or it's dressed a certain way. And you, you look at it, you're like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Again, with, a, with an image... You've got that wow, it's, 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 it hits you there, and it's a feeling. And it's that you can't take, you can't give that to anyone. You have to have that inner feeling within you, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Let, let me flip that question around then and ask it the other way, yep. which is, yep. what did photography teach you about hairdressing? Yeah, great question. It gave me the eye. It gave me the so now when I'm dressing hair, I I've got the model or I've got my client in front of the, the chair. I don't look at the client's head, I look in the mirror and I see the bigger picture. And that's what photography taught me. It's not to look at the what's before you, look at the bigger picture. So I turn 
my model around or what I turn my client around and I look in the mirror and I see the posture, I see the neck, I see the, the, the everything rather than just the hair. Yeah. I look at the bigger picture. That's what mm. photographers taught me. Yeah, that is a, that's a very good lesson. I mean, I experienced exactly the same thing as a hairdresser getting my work photographed. I always wanted, I knew the angle of the haircut that I wanted photographed. But the That's photographer right. knew how that model should be positioned to look her best. Yes. And yes. You, you, yes. you described that perfectly at the beginning when you said that you switched. There was a moment in time where Max said something to you about your work and you switched like a, a light switch being flicked on from looking at it like a hairdresser yes. to looking yep. at it like a photographer. And it's a very, very yes. important, um, you know, uh, yeah. thing, thing to understand that, that the photographer, you know, it, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit mystical. This isn't it? That they, they know how to get the best out of a girl. That's assuming it's a girl, the model. Yeah, it's it's like it, that sounds a bit vague, but it's actually a really yeah. important thing, isn't it? That they know how to yeah. get the best out of that person. They know the angle. They know the light. They know the, you know, everything about it. And, and, and I think that's a that's a real gift. Uh, but it's interesting that you say that it's also a craft and you can be taught it just like everything, that it's partly yes. technical and it's partly visual and it's those two things working hand in hand. Yeah. Okay. So um, what's very interesting, what I've learned, again, from, from the photographer side of things, if I do a hair show or if I work um, work in a salon or if I do something on TV, I put myself in different head spaces. And, you know, when I'm in the salon, I'm in, I've got my salon head on. When I'm on stage, I've got my stage head on. You know, I'm quite, oh, hello, guys. Oh, la, la, la. When I'm doing an interview, I've got my interview head on. When I'm doing a photography, I've got my photography head on. When I'm doing hair mm. for photography i've got my hair for photography and i've got all these different heads and that's what i've learned from the photography side of things is you've got to go in with different head spaces because you can't go into i couldn't go to salon international and go on stage with my with my salon head on because that's a totally different headspace yeah yeah and okay and that's what i've learned from photography okay. is different head spaces for different things yeah, sort of compartmentalised. Yeah, I, I yes. get it completely. I get it completely. Yeah. Okay. What What advice would you give to a hairdresser who wants to get into yep. photography? Because a lot of them fancy themselves as a photographer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so what advice would you give to them? First and foremost, my advice would be you have to love, you have to have, you have, to have a passion and, um, from, a, from day dot, well, I remember when I first started hairdressing, I've always looked at images and I've always liked certain images and I've always said, oh, that's amazing. I'd love to be able to, to be part of a, a shoot or uh, uh, because I love this image. So from, from day dot, I used to love images anyway. Um, and I used to look at Elmer Newton's, I used to look at David Bailey, I used to look at all these top photographers, I used to completely love their images. Um, and Vogue was, I used to love Vogue. And a lot of people used to say, you know, God, there's a don't understand you, why do you like all these? I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So that, I had that underlining passion anyway. And from there, my advice would be, find your passion first and foremost. Like hair's one of my passions. Photography is another one of my passions. Once you find your passion, the, the rest of it's easy. 
It's like Barry Manilow once said, David Letterman um, interviewed Barry Manilow, and David Letterman says, all these years later, did you know that you'll still be um, where you are now, like 20, 30 years later? He says, you know what, David? He says, from an early from an early day, I found my passion. The rest of it was easy. So just be passionate about something. And mm. you want it, once you're passionate about it, you want to learn it. And no matter how difficult the learning gets, you'll overcome that and you'll go through the hard pain it takes to learn, if that makes any sense, because you're passionate about it. So I never thought I was going to learn something from Barry Manilow, but that is, that is actually a, a great <laughs> bit of advice there. Uh, let, let me just change uh, direction for a minute. Y- you have won. I mean, you've entered lots of different awards and you've won lots of different awards uh, for, for your barbering work, for your, you know, uh, photographic collections, for, I mean, for lots of different things. It's not as if you're just pigeonholed in one area of hairdressing. You've, you've yeah. done some stunningly beautiful work in lots of different categories. Thank I want to ask you, what, what do you think the future of awards is? Because you're very much a hairdresser from the awards generation, you know, uh, as I am too, you know, we're of a similar similar age, I think I'm a bit older. Uh, but I will often think now when you look at young hairdressers, like if you were 30 years younger than what you are and you were in a salon, yes. are you that bothered by awards or are you more interested in social media as a youngster today? So, so what, what's your thoughts about the future of awards? I think the future of awards, awards, awards will always be there because you'll, you always need something at the pinnacle of our industry to carry to, to, to something that everyone can aspire to, but also what's really important, everyone can try and achieve better goals, if you like. Mm. Now, going back to social media side of things, I actually think there will be a, a category for social media because I think that within itself is a whole new world of, of things that we don't really, to be honest, I find it really hard to understand myself. And I'm just getting to grips with it. However, I think there's a lot of youngsters out there that are genius at it. You know, look at like someone like Sophia Hilton, Chris Appleton. I mean, those guys are just killing it. Um, and I look at them, I think, wow, it's amazing. You've got millions of followers. How do you do that? But I think there will be awards for, for social media and there'll be different categories of social media awards as well. Um, the One Shot, they're doing amazing things um, in, 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 in America because they're, they're at the pinnacle, they're, they're at the forefront of, of all these social media awards and stuff like that. And, and it's all social media driven as well, which is very interesting. But going back to your question, I think, you know, for the youngsters out there, I think the future is very bright. There still will be awards, but the awards will be definitely a lot different. And they'll definitely have a lot of social media connotations. And also, I think, as well, I think, don't forget, I think, you know, we look at the British Hairdressing Awards, but we're forgetting about, you know, the, the fashion side of things as well, the editorial side of things, because that's where the, the pinnacle of our industry is. You know, you Sam McKnight, Eugene Solomon, your Guido Pillar, you know, all of those uh, hairdressers, first of all, they're British um, and they're amazing at what they do. But secondly, you know, they kind of kind of don't look down at the hair awards because I think, you know, it doesn't represent us. So I think that side of things will be represented as well. Years ago it was. They did have a session 
they did have a, 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 an award for session hairdressing, but I think they've stopped it. And mm. I don't know why, but I think that's going to be represented again. Yes, so social okay. media and also um, session hairdressing will be represented in mm. the big award, if you like. Okay, yeah. And I think uh, it should be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, one of the things that you just mentioned then is, you know, the, the significance of social media, which, which when you started out, it wasn't a thing. Or when I started out, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. And, and now you scroll Sorry. through Instagram and, you know, more and more you see stunning work. Okay, oh, not just yes. hair work. In yes. fact, often the hair is pretty not that stunning, but the the photography is stunning. Um, that everyone's yeah. become a photographer is what I'm saying. That, you know, 20, yeah. 20, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, I think you said, when you started hairdressing, when I started hairdressing, people didn't have iPhones. And, uh, and these days everyone's got a phone and everyone's taking pictures and they're getting a better and better understanding of composition, of lighting, um, and, and so, you know, everyone thinks they're a photographer. So what I wanted to ask you about was this, is the iPhone is an amazing bit of tech without a shadow of a doubt. And it gets better every year with every release. It's a better camera. It has a better lens. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite amazing what that little gadget is capable of doing. Uh, you mentioned before, when you were talking about Tori Amos, you mentioned your Hasselblad. Now, for those who, who don't know what a Hasselblad is, it, it is the professional camera of choice for professional photographers. What I wanted to ask you about was, how much difference, I know you don't shoot with an iPhone, okay, but you see a lot of great photography that is done on a, a small device like an iPhone now. Yeah. How different is it? So I personally think, you asked me a question earlier on in regards to my future in photography. To be fair, I don't actually see my a future in photography. I actually see, because everyone is becoming a lot more savvy in regards to imagery. Um, and the, the technology just keeps getting better and better and better. So eventually yeah. you will be able to do a collection for the British Hairdressing Awards on your phone. And I was actually thinking this the other day. I was thinking to myself, you know, um, I've got all this equipment and everything and I've paid a lot of money for it, but mm. my little phone can take equally as good a picture as my Aston Plaid. And to mm. be perfectly honest, it's probably a lot better in regards to the um, the instant feel of the imagery in the quality obviously would be better but you can get the imagery a lot quicker and a lot easier on your phone you know there's there's a thing on the iphone that you can um you can do the depth of feel like what yeah. we're seeing like myself now on there and that actually to create that on your on a camera is very difficult mm. on that on the iphone it's just a couple of buttons and you've got a lovely depth of feel it's like yeah. wow it's like, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why okay. not shoot it on your iPhone? So I think for me, my job will be obsolete and give it 10 years or so, or probably earlier than that. My job as a photographer will be obsolete. However, what won't be obsolete is my heart and my eyes. So from a visual point of view, for getting the best out of someone, that won't be obsolete. But, you know, people will, will be able to do their imagery themselves, but they won't have the technical way of getting the best out of a model or they sure. won't have the, the, the feeling if that makes any sense yeah yeah or, or just what you touched on before which i loved was the depth of understanding of the craft because you see i yes. often say you know uh it, it, it like um i'll often say to a young hairdresser 
is your dad a hairdresser? And they'll usually look at me like I'm an idiot and say no. And then I'll say, well, if you gave your dad a mannequin head and you, get, and you said to your dad, here's a pair of scissors and a comb and here's a picture, yeah. this, is called a, this is called a bob, I want you to cut this mannequin head into a bob. Well, your yeah. dad would be able to do it. And at the end of it, he'd go, here it is. Now, your dad would be quite proud of the fact that he'd cut this bob. Now, you as a hairdresser would look at it and go, yeah, but there's a bit of graduation. And yeah, one side's an inch longer than the other. Okay, so in other words, you can see the detail because you've studied and really understand the craft. And, and taking a photograph is like that. That's the analogy that anyone could pick up a phone and go click and take a picture. But a photographer with a better understanding of light and shape and perspective and, and composition is gonna make something that's mediocre look fantastic. And a good hairdresser Absolutely. to make something that is simple to the eye look fantastic. Even if people don't necessarily know why it's fantastic, it just looks better. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. That's, that, that, that's my contribution. Um, uh, look, the last thing I wanted to ask you about I, was, sorry, what was that? You wanted to jump in? Yeah, I just wanted to add to that, really, because, okay. you know, there's times when I'm taking photos and um, someone's got an iPhone. And I look at their photos that they've taken, it's a lot better than what I've taken. And I just <laughs> think to myself, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing, actually. But then the end product isn't a lot better. But it's quite funny because, you know, sometimes your iPhone could be a very good tool, mm. you know. Um, so I wouldn't dismiss an iPhone. However, if it's used in the right way, you can make it, you can make a great, you can get a great image. And you say iPhones, I mean, the Samsung phone's a lot better than an iPhone as well. The oh, quality of a Samsung okay. phone is yeah. phenomenal, absolutely right. phenomenal. Yeah. So used in the right way, yes, you can create some great things with it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I think you sell yourself so, short there because I was looking at some of your collections before we got on this call and it's absolutely stunning. Like, you know, thank you. they're, they're stunning. Like it's... beautiful, beautiful <laughs> hair. And beautiful photography yeah. with beautiful models. There was a collect. I don't know which collection it was. They were all black girls. I don't know what year what it was that you did that. They looked just phenomenal. Like you know, really beautiful. I don't know if you if you won that year or didn't win that year, but it was uh, some great work. And that's that's really the last thing I wanted to ask you about is talk to us about from from the perspective of someone listening to this who wants to enter awards and they want to put a collection together whether they're in the United States or the UK or Australia or whatever, what, what are some of the things, what, what are three or four tips that you'd give them that are the most important things that they should make sure they do? First and foremost, just because um, I always think an imagery is a reflection of you. So it's a, re a reflection of your brand, whether you're going to enter an award, whether it's for um, social media, whatever it's for. So, if you're going to enter an award, just make sure it reflects you as a brand. Um, and secondly, make sure that um, I think do your homework first and foremost. So whatever award you're going to enter, I would look at the previous winners and that will determine the standard of the level and the quality of work you need to do. Don't copy them, but just make sure that you know what you're getting yourself involved in. And last but not least, try and find out who the judges are um, because that's a great um, 
that's very it's very interesting to because say for instance if i was doing an award in um, i was doing a british hairdressing award and i knew that someone like trevor sorby was going to judge it um trevor does stuff that's very clever that's very um interesting and intricate so i know i have to do but part of my collection would be to have something that's very intricate and very clever because i know mm-hmm. trevor sorby would be like wow that's amazing Okay. Um, again, so say for instance, someone from Vidal Sassoon was judging it, Tim Hartley, for instance, or Mark Hayes from Sassoon's. I knew, I know I'd have to do a really cool haircut somewhere along the line and make that quite clever and make it quite intricate and put a bit of colour in it as well. So automatically you're building up in your mind's eye a collection that will appeal to all these judges. And it's not and also, it's got to appeal to you as well. So, hmm. you know, those three things are, are for me, one of the, the I, I, they're, they're my homework. I do my homework on when I'm entering any competition, whether it's a photographic competition, whether it's a, 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 a L'Oreal Colour Trophy, and you've got to get a model to stand there, whatever competition it is, do your homework. It's really important. Hmm. And then once you've done your homework, just have some fun while you're doing it and enjoy it. And not only that, while you're going through the journey, learn from that journey. So, you know, whatever you do, you can better next time if that makes any sense. Because yeah. for me, I always learn from what I've done in the past and that makes me a better person for the future. Sure. Okay. Well, that's that's perfect. Um, well, we need to uh, start wrapping up this. So whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels? Okay. So my Instagram page is... Um, the main page is Desmond Murray, and then I've got a photography page, just Desmond Murray Photography. And then my Facebook page is just Desmond Murray again. And um, if they want to DM me or contact me, they will follow me. They're more than welcome to. Okay. And that's uh, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y? M-U-R-R-A-Y. Yes, it is. Great. Okay. All right. I always manage to spell that wrong myself. So uh, I'll make sure that I put those links uh on our website, Grow My Salon Business, and in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Des and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasting app. So to wrap up, uh, Desmond Murray, thank you so much for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, Des. Bye now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.